Hello again, it's me, Kelly, your ghost host, <laughs> and Debbie Mama, <clears throat> I'm over here, God, I always do that when I come on here, clear the throat, have a drink, mm. Arizona green tea, baby, <laughs> anyway, I have to record, re-record this podcast because we were out of Wi-Fi all night from like 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. The internet just popped on. I was on my phone. I'm like, I have Wi-Fi. You know that feeling. You know that feeling. We even had the electricity burn out on us a couple of times today. Blackout, rolling blackouts. It's been wild. Storms, winter storms coming. Windy. So, anyway, I started doing the recording to this, uh, I don't want to call her a serial killer, but she is a murderer. Um, she was a, a mass killer, I guess, like a, we'll get there. <laughs> it's a wild one. Uh, crimes of the century. Her name is Andrea Yates. And if there's any children in the room with you, I please, please remove them if they're under the age of 13. This is uh, very graphic. All of my podcasts are super graphic. I cuss and I smoke weed. Your kids shouldn't be listening to this kind of shit anyway. So (laughs) that's just my opinion. And I just want to put a disclaimer on here so I don't get in trouble. Anyway, so yes, Andrea Yates was a mother of five, and on June 20th of 2001, <clears throat> excuse me, they, she killed all five of her children. My throat. I need to take another drink of water. She, she killed all five of her children from age six months to seven years. And she never denied killing them. She even called the police on herself. She called her husband on herself. She methodically planned this out for two years. I swear, I think I just swallowed a fly. These flies this year, I don't know if you guys, where you guys are living, if you're listening here in America, but we got flies in America that are vicious. They are driving me nuts. And stink bugs. I was sitting here on the podcast earlier and I'm all, what was that that just flew by me? It was a flyby stink bug. And he landed on my dab station. I'm like, oh, you're going to die. You don't land on my dab station without getting hurt. So, yeah, I had to kill him. Piece of poo-poo. I hate they stink so bad. Anyways, so yeah, bugs are my problem tonight. I don't like bugs. Looks funny. He's cute, though. And anyway, you know, I have this really cool dab rig. If you follow me on Instagram, <clears throat> then you'll know what I'm talking about. But the Beetlejuice rig that I have, I need to take photos with or video of it outside so you can really see the details. Oh, God, he's so cool. Sandworm. Very cool. One of the coolest things I've ever done with clay. Anyways, let's see. Where was I? So, yeah, she never denied killing them. Um, She did start 
attempting suicide a couple of times, like right after her fourth child. Um, this has a lot to do with postpartum depression. It's genetic disorder that she has. She also just uh, was diagnosed with schizophrenia and uh, major depressive disorder. Postpartum psychosis, which is the symptoms are hallucinations, um, delusions, mood swings, confusion, restlessness, uh, shaky, uh, can just not yourself that you very, very noticeable that something is wrong with your spouse or your friend or whatever. You would know that she was suffering from psychosis, uh, due to having so many children, I guess it was a, there was an imbalance in her brain and it was a genetic disorder too. I like read up on it. But the crazy stuff. This this case is is wild. I I say that about every case, but this case is super wild because even the husband I don't like, even though he's a victim too. I mean, he didn't die, but he's just he was really strange during the whole trial. Anyway, so but uh, do so. This was in Houston, Texas. I know if some of you listening are from Canada or something like that, that's way down south. Like, I don't even go to Texas. Nobody in Texas goes to Texas. <laughs> or people from Texas leave Texas. They stay out of Texas. Uh, she was diagnosed by many doctors and put on Haldol. It's a very strong antipsychotic drug. Andrea's father died in 2000 and she became more depressed. Um, they put her, um, they took her off the Haldol and put her on Effexor and the milligrams they did uh, were so bizarre. I don't even know how to explain it, but they had put her on 450 milligrams to start with. And then within a day or two, they changed her meds to 300 milligrams. And her husband did some research online and found out that you can't do that with Effexor, that you have to, um, you have to do only by 75 milligrams each, not 150 milligrams. So the, the husband did some really good research on that and busted the doctor in the pharmacy. Ugh, this case. So, um, anyway, so she was on the Effexor. They took her off. Now she's not on the Haldol. They won't let her have it. They wouldn't even let her back in the hospital because her insurance company wouldn't pay for any more stays at the hospital for mental health. She was allowed 10 days. That's it in a calendar year. And she exceeded that. They kicked her out of the hospital, told her and her husband, good luck. Sorry. Apologize. Bye-bye. Um, really messed up. That's the messed up thing in America too, is the mental health here is ridiculous. She immediately became unhinged with the new meds. Dr. Saeed told her husband and her to think happy thoughts and that will cure her but i kind of call lies on that with rusty because in another interview rusty told his brother brian kennedy that she was faking it the whole time like just for attention that she just wanted this you know attention for herself and that she just needed a big kick in the butt so i don't know who's lying is a doctor lying <laughs> It could be. Doctors don't lie. <laughs> she was suffering from, uh, this is a weird word, cacodemon mania. Believing one's possessed with a demon. 
her beliefs were christian but she also went to the spiritual leader called michael warrenniecki warrenniecki this name w-o-r did i spell that right w-r-r-o-n-i-e-c-k-i warrenniecki and was her spiritual leader Uh, she believed that each of her kids would become a demon and to save them from hell she decided to kill them all Uh, one son was to become a serial killer the next one a mute and the next son a homosexual prostitute and I did not mean to make that rhyme that's how they said it in the documentary (laughs) and the daughter was going to become a prostitute as well and same with her other son was going to be a homosexual um she just she had these thoughts these were her thoughts that these children that she had were um they were not good on this planet they're all bad all evil all need to be killed as satan told her so she believed and confessed to the police that she thought satan was giving her directions inside of her brain and inside of her stomach like she said it was like coming from inside her satan asked her to kill them all oldest son noah was seven they found him in the tub still when they arrived when the cops went to the back bedroom to check on to see who was in there all the children were laid out on the mat on the bedspread the master bedroom so this is the parents bedroom and she had laid out the oldest son with the newborn six-month-old daughter mary holding like cradling her in his arms she posed them all um and this was to signify her son's arms around her little his little sister that he'll be there with her in the afterlife (sighs) doozy defense attorney's only plea was for her to plead not guilty by reasons of insanity um also details emerged to the media was extremely negative against her of course because she was a murderer of five children her own five children if you didn't want your children why did you just give them away that's what a lot of people said you know if you didn't want them why didn't you just like leave why didn't you just go adopt them out or tell your husband i don't want them anymore and blah 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 like but that isn't the thing that mental illness does mental illness does the controlling she had so many i don't know if she could control any of her emotions husband defends andrew yates he was acting like a celebrity though during the trial and interviewing in front of tv media all the time he called the media himself so they would come by and give interviews to him so he can go on tv and plead with america it was weird his behavior and role in this should have been quiet he's a grieving father of five he didn't act like it he didn't cry once i didn't see i saw him as emotionless as his wife so and he wanted to leave her home alone at least one hour a day so she could grow independent and not dependent on him all the time she couldn't even put underwear on right she always put him on backwards like she put she had she needed a babysitter she herself needed a babysitter and then she had a six-month-old a two-year-old a three-year-old how old yeah six-month-old two-year-old a three-year-old a five-year-old and a seven-year-old 
all of them boys except for one was a girl. Can you imagine that? I mean, if you are a mother or a parent, you know that's tough work. And then she's dealing with severe mental illness, not just a little bit of anxiety and depression and, you know, fuck with my head kind of thing. Like severe psychosis, psychotic behavior, psychotic breakdowns, uh, delusional, you name it. This woman had it all. She was the psychologist's wet dream. I don't know how they didn't uh, interview her more. Blows my mind. Yeah, there were some lies that were told too. I'll get to that. Um, he was signing autographs. Rusty Yates. Waving and smiling to the cameras, being almost happy. He plays a slideshow of his kids at the funeral one week after sealed at one week after it was a sealed location from the public and keeping Rusty's face out of the limelight. Rusty smiled a lot while being filmed, recorded, photographed. It didn't matter. He always smiled at the cameras when they were on him. Public saw him as an uncaring father. They thought he might have known that she was going to do this when this is a theory. Um, when he first arrived at the home, she called him and said, come home now. That was it. Hung up and called 911 on herself. He said, in quotations, you finally did it. And some other stuff, but sobbed on the lawn. His behavior at the press release statement on TV that day, I remember his demeanor reaction was that he knew something. There was something that he wasn't saying. Husband said he did everything he could do. He blames medical uh, law and was seeking the death penalty. Oh, he was, yeah. He blames medical and that the law was seeking the death penalty. Yeah. Andrea was emotionless during the trial on September 22nd, 2001, three months afterwards. That's when her trial began. And the kid's name was uh, first victim was Mary Deborah. She was six months old, born November 30th, 2000. Luke David, two years old, born February 15th, 1999. He'd be the same age as my daughter. She's 23. Paul Abraham, three years old, September 13th, 1997. John Samuel, five years old, December 15th, 1995. And Noah Jacob, seven years old, February 26th, 1994. And she drowned each child separately and then laid them in the bed in a cross leg formation like one child over each child like type of thing and then the oldest kid was holding the newborn for this like afterlife like ritual thing i don't know she was she would call them into the bathroom when they were at the kitchen table they were all eating breakfast. Cereal bowls, the cops said the cereal bowls were still cold and the milk was still cold on the table. They had barely been gone, or he had, the husband had barely been gone like an hour when all this took care, or 30 minutes or something like that. Um, they, they married in 1993. They divorced in 2005. He says she's a victim too. This is her mental health part you know she's a victim of the mental health part i believe you know she got dissed in the medical field a lot of her mental illness but we weren't there we don't know a whole lot we don't 
understand exactly what went on, why the doctors did this, why the doctors do that. We don't know how her behavior really was inside, outside, all over. We just saw what we saw on TV. Of course, the media is going to blow it out of proportion. That's what they do. But killing your five children, there's no fucking excuse, mental or not. I'm sorry. You knew that something was going wrong with your wife at this point. Way before this point, because two years ago, she'd been contemplating this. Two years before the murder, she had already been... She said it out loud to her husband. Anyway, so she was charged with capital murder times five. They wanted to give her the death penalty, but they decided against it. And they gave her life in prison with... After 40 years, she can be eligible for parole, which will be like 80 or something. Um... Yeah, retrial was in 2006, later commuted to be found not guilty by reason of insanity on July 26, 2006, legally and mentally insane. Um, because Dr. Dietz, a clinical psychologist that was testifying in 2001, he gave false testimony. Get this shit. He lied about a TV show. He lied about Law and Order airing a show about a woman on trial for murdering her children in a bathtub and that she she got off. Like, it was no big deal. Like, reason for insanity. That was his bargaining chip. This guy was weird. She knew it was wrong to murder her kids, but did it to get back at her husband. Rusty thinks she was mentally ill and not a bad mother and got insanity plea. See, this is all, like, so weird. Like, that's how I... Th I think she she knew what she was doing. She murdered those kids. Uh, Suzanne O'Malley is a reporter, writer, and research that an episode of Law & Order about a woman killing her child gets away with murder, as Dr. Park Dietz stated on stand in 2001. Two years later, Law & Order did do an episode of this case but after the fact of this case. So they already had the information and everything, all the true facts of this case. So he was like, <laughs> anyway, it's kind of irony, um, ironic. And the uh, episode's titled Magnificat. Magnificat. Ooh, you Magnificat? Some French shit. Um, life sentence or death. Uh, what did I write down? She was found not guilty, but yeah, I already said that. Repeating yourself. <sighs> on May 3rd, 2001, she filled the tub up. Oh, this. On May 3rd. So the murder happened. What date again? June 20th. And in May, so a month before, she filled the tub up with water and told the police that she was going to do it that day, but decided against it. So they already knew. They were already on she was already on the radar a month before all this they could have stopped it and Yates stated in prison just recently that she had been contemplating this for years she told the psychiatrist it's the seventh deadly sin my children weren't righteous they stumbled because I was evil that's what she told them she was crazy absolutely insane I know I do these podcasts so fast because I mean there's not much to cover except for the history and stuff. I mean, I don't really want to go on and on. I'm sure people don't want to hear me go on and on and on about one person's, you know, back history and all that. I like to talk about the case and the trial. I'm more of that, like, information. I like to know what happened to them afterwards. 
did they die are they still alive can we go visit an interview no, I'm just kidding. no but i mean like i don't i don't you know i don't condone killing of course not but <clears throat> this case was very strange unique uh confusing uh complex you name it all those words because of the situation in her what you might call it uh, all her mental illness is just so sad breaks my heart anyway well thank you for listening everybody and i hope that uh, you have a safe weekend and have enjoy your week and whenever you're listening to this and stay spooky my little dabaroonies. <laughs>